Yeah, if I could see black swans, that would be great. Uh, but um, I guess inherently, I, I wouldn't be able to see those. But of course, shipping is, uh, can you say, uh, uh, subject to these 100-year events or black swans, call them what you like. Ulrik Andersen is the CEO of Golden Ocean, a leading international dry bulk shipping company. In this episode, we cover why Golden Ocean has been a fantastic investment over the last year, what needs to happen in order to keep delivering profits and dividends, how Golden Ocean is cutting both costs and emissions wherever they can, and what's next for the demand and supply side in dry bulk. Let's hear from our sponsors. Quarter is the new way of doing company research. With Quarter, you get frictionless access to conference calls, investor presentations, transcripts, and earnings reports from markets all around the world straight to your pocket. Quarter's mission is to change the way people look at investor relations and create a completely new bridge between companies and stakeholders. Quarter is 100% free. They include companies from 15 markets today and plan to add more over time. They always prioritize requested companies, which users can easily do in the app. Users can also leave reactions while listening to the conference calls to make their voice heard. So check out Quarter. Q-U-A-R-T-R. All opinions expressed by Christopher Vonheim or his guests on this podcast are only their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of BIN. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Christopher Volname as a specific reason to invest or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. This episode is produced by William Fransen. First of all, Rick, welcome back. Second time on. Thank you. Last time it was COVID. We did it remotely and you have... You have been in Golden Ocean for how long? Maybe under one year, probably? Uh, a little bit more than two years now. Time yeah, flies. but when, first time we spoke. First time we spoke, yeah, probably around a year, so, uh, I would think. Is it about a year ago since we had the last Definitely. Uh, podcast? So yeah, about a, about a year at the time. So what's the difference between being now running Golden Ocean, being physical, not being you know restricted by working from home? Was it a good change to finally be more in the office and basically back on track? It's always nice to be in the office, and I think it's also needed uh, communication is uh, is much better uh, and we are social beings at the end of the day so I think for everyone it's nice to uh, to be together um, but of course there's also been some uh, tough reminders of how much traveling that comes into being in a in a shipping uh, in a shipping job so uh, so uh, I've traveled quite a lot now since we since we opened up to cover some of the ground that was was perhaps lost during uh, during COVID and uh, yeah, you know, the wife has been getting used to uh, me being at home all the time uh, and the kids as well. So suddenly having to travel is a, is a, is, is a change, but it is also a, a welcome uh, change. Obviously, I was in Singapore um, uh, about a week, two weeks ago, uh, visiting uh, our office for the first time, which was, was well overdue. And, uh, and naturally, that was extremely nice to, to get out uh, and see, uh, see our people there. So, so overall, definitely positive um, but uh, but of course uh, uh, yeah uh, you had forgotten a few things how the how the real world worked. 
But, but just like a simple question, why is it so important to travel a lot in shipping? Is it just the culture of shipping or is it, you know, new clients, relationships that you need to be there? Because Gold Notion obviously has a great reputation, but you still feel like you need to travel a lot in order to maintain those relationships. Or is there any other reasons that you feel like you have to travel quite a lot? I think traveling will reduce, generally speaking, from before COVID. Um, but I think there is, uh, uh, I mean, meeting people face to face cannot uh, be uh, replaced by uh, uh, by um, by telephone. Uh, like conferences or, or Zoom or, or Teams or whatever they, they all call. That's also why we are sitting here today and not doing Zoom like we did last time because it gives a different uh, dynamic. Um, so I think uh, if you want to build and, uh, and, and start new relationships, I think you need to uh, meet people in person. Uh, I think you can definitely maintain relationships by, uh, by using uh, Zoom and other, uh, and other meeting uh, applications. Um, but but to, to to start something new, I think you need to uh, you need to travel. And then I will also say there is a signal value in actually getting on a plane, going to Singapore, coming out saying hello, my name is Ulrich, and uh, you know we are happy to have you as a client. And I've flown all the way from Europe to say this. Uh, it is showing a different uh, commitment. So I don't think traveling will go away by any means. Uh, but I think it will reduce somewhat and that is probably a good thing very good point so just giving us sort of the bird eyes view so not long ago you uh, communicated some pretty remarkable results right in terms of the quarter results and annual results what is sort of the the summary of that because it was pretty terrific yes it was a by a big margin our best result ever in golden ocean Uh, we uh, made a net profit of 527 million dollar last year Mm -hmm. Uh, we're very happy about that. The good news is that we hope to be able to repeat that, maybe in to pass it, let's see, uh, uh, this year. But obviously, when you reach these kind of uh, of, uh, of net profits, keeping in mind, we last year probably had a market cap around two and a half billion, uh, and then 500 million net profit is a, is a substantial amount. But obviously, reaching these kind of, uh, of, of, of levels, you have to have a very, very good and strong shipping markets. Uh, which we have had, uh, but at the same time, you also need to have positioned your bets correctly, uh, understood in a way that you have to uh, have uh, your vessels, uh, can you say, exposed to the spot market and not be on long-term fixed contracts. So you actually capture this, which is something that we have done. Uh, and then we also expanded the fleet last year with 33%. So we bought uh, 18 new vessels in the very, very beginning of the year in February. And we followed that up with contracting another seven in the middle of the year for delivery later. Um, but obviously that expands your earning capacity. So I will say it's a combination of, uh, of, uh, of many factors, but, uh, but um, uh, overall, yes, as you, mm-hmm. as you allude to, uh, very happy about that uh, uh, result. And, and as you are, I'm sure are aware, we, we plowed back uh, most of that to our shareholders. We paid out 500 million, a little bit more than 500 million in dividends as well, which is uh, yeah, our strategy to, to, to return uh, capital to our shareholders when we can. How do you find the right dividend policy? Is it easy? Is it discussion with the board? What do you feel like is the, is it a clear philosophy in how much dividends you should give? Or is it uh, 
very complicated answer depending on should you do more investments how does the market look how does that how do you calculate that dividend policy i mean first and foremost it's always a board decision uh, the amount of dividend that we will pay out but how the dynamics uh, work is that the management uh, will uh, will propose a, a, a dividend uh, and then the board will uh, will approve and 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 and, and or reject that um so that's the that's the first thing to keep in mind but the capital allocation strategy which is how do you can you say allocate that the the, the capital that you that you make do you pay down debt do you uh, keep it in your pocket do you invest uh, is uh, of course a huge uh, uh, topic and a very integral part of the of the strategy discussions in general but what we have uh, said as a as, a, as, as being our corporate strategy, is that we want to pay back a significant uh, part of our uh, dividends to our shareholders, always, of course, under, can you say, the considerations of market or other opportunities. What it boils down to really is that if you have money in your hand and you do not have any investment opportunities uh, that can give your shareholders a decent return, you should pay that money back to your shareholders for them to either invest somewhere else or reinvest into the company if they continue to believe in, uh, in Golden Ocean or if they want to increase their stake in Golden Ocean. So that's the principal philosophy that we have. Really, the money sits best in the pocket of our, our shareholders. But of course, you can only have that uh, strategy the minute that you have a, a, a good cash uh, position on your balance sheet. We have around $350 million in cash, so, so we have for a rainy day. Uh, and at the same time as you have paid down your debt to a reasonable level, which you also have, we have only about 42% uh, loan to, uh, uh, to value at the, at the moment. So these are the considerations. And um, of course, uh, you look at what you have fixed forward and what your market expectations are and all of these things. So there's no fixed formula in Golden Ocean, but it's a, it's a fluid uh, can you say discussion every quarter. But uh, our overall policy is to plow back as much money as we can to our to our shareholders. That's kind of our starting point. Isn't that also like maybe a big difference if you compare it to like a tech company, which basically can get like firebacks because they investors believe that they should take that money they have and invest in more verticals or more products. But in shipping, it's not the same because it's more cyclical, right? So in good times, you should, like you said, that's a good thing to pay back to shareholders so they can find new investment opportunities because like if you just look at the fleet of gold notion there's no point of making it bigger if it if it's not a good investment right so how do you balance that yeah that, that that is exactly the point that at the moment now as i say we bought a lot of vessels last year uh, at a time when probably the since the asset price have gone up 20 30 40% even depending on age and, and, and class, but huge increase in, in asset prices. So at this point, we feel that, you know, you walk into a territory where now assets are, if not overpriced, then they are certainly very, very expensive. So to uh, to spend money on that, we don't feel is uh, in the shareholders' best uh, interest. We may be able to right now in the short run uh, buy expensive assets, uh, create some, uh, can you say, cash flow on those. Uh, but of course, in two, three Four years, however many years, when the markets are, are normalizing, then you would have bought uh, at expensive time in the cycle. And as you rightfully say, shipping is cyclic. It goes up and down in waves. Uh, and uh, uh, therefore, you have to adjust your strategy accordingly. Uh, and ideally, obviously, you buy uh, in the low cycles uh, and, you, uh, uh, and you sell in the high uh, and you take home profit in the high periods. And right now, we are in a high 
uh, period or in, a, in, in, the, in the good part of the cycle. And that also means that we are selling vessels. We have sold uh, three vessels uh, alone this year, uh, making 31 million, by the way, on that. Uh, and um, uh, and uh, otherwise, uh, can you say, uh, pay back that money that we have uh, surplus uh, back to our shareholders. So yes, very different, uh, can you say, environment that we're operating in versus a tech company or you can say a lot of other businesses, yeah. uh, really. But looking at sort of the order book, I think there were, you had a slide where the order book is so low right now, and but it's, it's look, it looks like it's a good time to earn money. So, but I guess that's also maybe a perfect segue over to the decarbonization piece, right? Because maybe there's a big risk at stake ordering new vessels if you don't if you don't have a clear path to that. But just looking at the order book, how would you summarize the order book? Looking at dry bulk sector right now globally, it's very simple. 30-year low. So, in other words, the influx of new vessel capacity is very, very minimal. And I think really that is the key story here for dry bulk and why dry bulk is so attractive uh, at the moment. There is hardly any vessels coming into the market. Uh, and at the same time, uh, to make things worse or better for the owners, <laughs> is that you have um, huge demand for, uh, for, for dry bulk commodities in general. So that means that the supply chain gets disrupted, uh, leading to delay and, of course, a less efficient use of the fleet. Um, and you will have uh, new regulations coming in next year, which will further reduce the efficiency of the, of the, of the fleet because you'll have to slow steam in order to comply with new... Many vessels will have to slow steam in order to comply with new regulations from the IMO. So you create this uh, very, very strong uh, uh, story on the, on, the, on the demand side. And that means that we don't need the supply to grow very much before this is very attractive. Uh, in fact, we believe that the, that the, that the supply, uh, can you say, growth will actually outpace the demand growth. And that is a pretty uh, uh, interesting seeing that already now we are making a lot of money. And you saw what, you made, uh, what we made last year. So the situation is, at least on paper, looking to become even better for the ship owners in the years to come. And That's, if I can, yeah. can add to your decarbonization, you're absolutely right. One of the reasons, uh, if not, well, it's not, well, if not, maybe even the main reason that there has been very little ordering and certainly is no ordering having at the moment, uh, is that um, there are so many question marks over uh, what technologies are future-proof, truly future-proof. Um, because we all know well, at least the golden notion we know that we have to uh, to uh, to change the business model from a high carbon model to a low and eventually zero carbon model. And in order to get to zero carbon, uh, we uh, don't have a path. We don't have the technology, uh, at least not on a grand scale yet, that can uh, that uh, that, uh, that 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 we can that we can go for. So what we uh, will see is that that's holding people back from ordering. But on top of that, you have increasing steel prices, which means that the vessels are, you know, even uh, standard or conventional vessels are going up in price. And at the same time, you have demand, a lot of demand for, for building new ships coming from the container industry and from LNG, has, which has filled up the yards and further pushed prices up. So now we are at a situation where you have extremely high prices, uh, question marks over technology, and actually also long delivery time. So you're looking at two years, maybe more, before you can take a delivery of a vessel. 
And that is not a very interesting cocktail. So therefore, uh, we expect that the order book will stay muted uh, uh, for some time uh, to come. Certainly, we don't expect any ordering boom anytime soon. So we're quite optimistic, generally speaking, on the on the supply side of the of the of the equation, and uh, uh, generally optimistic about the the future for dry bulk uh, uh, shipping in general. When it comes to the uh, emission piece. Obviously, there's no silver bullet in terms of technology today, but then you have like a lot of low hanging fruits, like slowing down your vessel, doing a lot of optimization work, right? Like <clears throat> making sure the routes you, you sort of are effective. Do you feel like from Golden Ocean perspective, those long hanging fruits, have you taken all them or are there loads of opportunities to cut down a little bit by tuning all the time? Or do you feel like in Golden Ocean you have seen or you've taken most of those opportunities and now it's more a technology play, finding that technology. I think that if you look at the ship owning model, just take one step yep. back, then we have uh, always been forced to be low cost providers. Uh, and for instance, Golden Ocean, we have uh, almost hundred vessels. So we have economies of scale in our own right. Um, that has allowed us to push down our cost. But we are now so large that there's not a lot more to come from here. So where we see the next big push on cost is uh, through uh, digitalization uh, and in turn actually decarbonize, decarbonization. So by, and this is remember uh, important to remember, when you reduce emissions, you reduce your bunker consumption and you reduce your cost. Uh, so for two years actually, uh, since I started, we have had um, a, a three-pillar strategy, like three areas that we want to focus on. And one of them is digitalization and decarbonization. Uh, so we are working very intensely uh, on, uh, on, on bringing down our emissions because it's good for uh, the environment uh, and it is also good for the company. Um, and we are kind of looking at this and you know, there are different timelines here because there are the low-hanging fruits, as you are mentioning, and then there are the, can say, the medium and the long-term solutions. Uh, we have not plucked all the low-hanging fruits yet, uh, but we are uh, doing that. So uh, what you can do and what we are uh, doing now, for instance, is that we are uh, uh, digitalizing, meaning that we get much better data into our IT system. So we have installed, or we have not installed on the entire fleet, but we are in rolling out now. I think we have on one third or something and we will have all vessels equipped with the with the with sensors at the end of the year it means that we get data directly fed into our it systems meaning that we can monitor performance uh, much better uh, so we are not in the dark for a long time uh, before we know there's something wrong with the vessel uh, normally you get data every 24 hours which is a bit absurd in this modern day and age but that's actually how it has been now we get every seventh minute um, and then we do can you say investments into the fleet? So it is some investments you can do outside dry dock, but others you will have to do in connection with a dry dock where you take the vessel out of the water and you can do a lot of stuff. It's, it's, it's easier when it's out of the water. So what we are doing now is that we are investing heavily in all vessels that go into dry dock. So what we are doing, for instance, is that we are blasting the hulls much more efficiently to make them smooth. We are applying low friction paints, very special paints so that the can you say that's less drag on the vessels as they go through. Uh, we are in, uh, investing in special propeller vortex uh, so that you get better, your propeller works better and you get better, uh, uh, what can you say, uh, 
speed through the through the water and, and lower consumption. Mm. So we invest heavily into this, and we actually believe that we can lower bunker consumptions and thereby uh, emissions with a low double digit, maybe 10 to 12 percent. Uh, so this, these are no-brainer investments that we just need to get on with. Then we look at more advanced technologies as well, uh, which are not for today, uh, but for the future. Um, we are looking at, uh, among other things, uh, carbon capture, where you install a, a, a you simply ca- ca- capture the, the carbon mm. before it goes up in the air. Um, there are some uh, challenges with that, but you can potentially remove up to 95% of your emissions by doing that. Then we are looking at the, can you say, maybe less, uh, less uh, revolutionary things, but, uh, but uh, we're looking at something called speed opt, which is, uh, which is um, it's actually, you can com- com- compare it to, a, to an autopilot for a car. Because if you have a vessel that is going through the water at a constant speed, if you have wind against you or whatever, you will actually burn uh, more uh, than, than, than you should. On, uh, whereas if you keep a constant speed, mm. it's better. So by uh, having uh, these uh, technologies uh, optimizing your speed, you can, you can save bombers and so on. I mean, there's rotor sails as well and so on and so forth. Um, I was about to ask you that because obviously you are from, from Denmark, right? And you see Maersk yeah. trying everything. And sometimes it's hard to know, like, I wouldn't call it the PR stunt, but sometimes you do something to show you this could work, but it's not always it makes economic sense to scale it up in a big, you know, shipping company. But given you've seen the try rotors and sales, do you see anything that you think is like the perfect solution or is it more about experimenting just to test it in one vessel at a time? Um, I think for us at least it's about uh, experimenting and testing uh, because um, we often see that uh, companies promise a lot of uh, can you say uh, bang for the buck and then maybe it's not really the case when it when it when when it happens um, or when you put them on. So I think uh, you have to uh, and then you also have to remember that uh, every vessel is different, so there can be different solutions that fit different types of vessels depending on their size and the trading area. And I mean it's complicated stuff. Uh, but um, but generally speaking, we have to be open-minded towards these uh, new solutions, uh, and we have to uh, to be uh, ready also to invest. Um, are there elements of PR in some of this? Uh, I'm sure there is uh, for uh, for Maersk as well as, uh, as 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 for us. But at the end of the day, we are doing it because we believe we can bring down cost and that we can can you say take our companies in the right uh, in the right uh, in the right direction. Um, and as I say, yes, there's going to be different solutions for different uh, times uh, and the end goal must be zero uh, emissions. And of course, speaking about that, you cannot uh, talk about uh, or not talk about uh, see new engines or new technologies, uh, whether that's uh, ammonia or hydrogen or, uh, or something else. Um, but we are... We are not going to go out guns blazing with uh, things uh, that we are not uh, sure about working. So I think we'd rather re- go a little bit cautiously. And then uh, as we see technologies maturing, uh, we will try uh, try those out as we see uh, track records from other from other companies. But it is key to be on the forefront yeah. here and to be open-minded. Uh, and I think that's something that the industry is uh, needs to get used to because it's not exactly a... Shipping is not an uh, industry known for its uh, innovation, let's be honest, uh, but uh, that, is, that is changing now and it has to change. And it's a good thing. Is this a topic uh, top of mind when you talk to investors, clients, etc.? Are they pushing you on this, all meetings, or very conscious about it? 
Um, yes, I mean the ESG agenda in, in general has uh, has uh, has really uh, has really uh, increased in uh, in 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 the last uh, 24 months uh, for sure. Uh, so we are usually asked about our uh, strategy and decarbonization. Um, I think at the moment maybe very few will actually determine their actual investments after this. Uh, but I know that uh, they are uh, happy to see that we are working actively towards uh, this end goal because we know we're going to have to transition uh, our business model into something uh, 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 new but uh, or, yeah, to cater for, can you say, a, a low-carbon future. Uh, and it is key because if you look at we don't just say decarbonization because it's a, it's a, it, 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 it sounds good uh, and that uh, it feels good uh, in the tummy, uh, but, uh, but because it actually is changing the business model. And we see that because we see finance being tied now to reducing your emission. And as we just talked about, yeah. as a ship owner, you want to be low cost. So if you don't have a competitive finance and low uh, capital cost, a low capital cost, then uh, then uh, you're not a ship owner for long. So so that's one area, right? And then we see it, of course, on the customers now as well. I actually have a mail right now uh, on my desk from uh, one of our very big uh, uh, clients that we have contracts with, uh, asking for emission data for uh, specific voyages to understand, or even back in time to understand what was our uh, footprint and how can we work with that. Meaning that if you don't reduce your emissions in Golden Ocean, uh, then you will not become your preferred uh, customer in the in the, in the future because our emissions go into what can you say the mining companies or our customers' uh, 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 CO2 uh, footprint. So so this is uh, this is another thing. It's the uh, finance and it is uh, it is customers uh, and then of course it's employees uh, that would like to see that we have some visions around this. Uh, and then finally, you have um, you have, of course, the investors, as we just talked about, also asking questions. So that is why you want to take this serious, uh, and you have to to uh, to to, uh, to address it uh, properly and in an, uh, in a, and have a very, very clear strategy. It is simply because it is uh, going to define your business model uh, in the future. Definitely, that's an excellent summary. Just like I want to spend some minutes on, on the demand side in the dry bulk space, and because there are a lot of people trying to figure it out, it's looking very good. But if we just look at sort of maybe the different continents, if we just start with Europe, has anything drastically changed as a consequence of the war in terms of trading routes, etc.? I mean, especially for wheat production and corn, there could be some potential uh, new trade routes coming up as a consequence. Or Yes, I would say uh, first to set the scene, you can say the most important country in the world for dry bulk is China. Yeah. So China imports around almost 50% of all dry bulk commodities. So the absolute most heavy weighing, uh, can you say, country uh, and that what we are looking uh, towards uh, uh, is, is China. Having said that, uh, there are uh, things happening now uh, that impacts, uh, can you say, dry bulk shipping and that comes out of uh, Europe. And that is um, uh, not so much grains as it is actually coal. So um, coal, of course, uh, in many's uh, uh, mind was uh, wasn't it outsourced? Uh, yeah. outfaced? Uh, you know who uses coal anymore? Uh, but the matter of fact is that we use a lot of uh, quite a lot of coal in, uh, in in Europe. Not nearly as much as in Asia, but we actually do use coal in uh, in, in Europe. And what has happened now, of course, is that uh, uh, getting commodities out of the Black Sea is impossible. 
Yep. Uh, and uh, there is now also a ban in place for uh, for for Colwood to start in, in August. Uh, that's coming out of the uh, can you say out of the uh, the Baltic Sea, um, and that has uh, that has meant something for the dry bulk uh, shipping because suddenly what we have seen in uh, the last two three uh, four months is that uh, Europe has started to import coal all the way from Australia, and that makes really no economical sense to transport coal half way around the world. Uh, but that is obviously something that has been helping the market, this inefficient allocation of coal. So suddenly we see coal from Australia going into Europe. We see Russian coal that was otherwise go to Europe, go to India. Uh, and we see um, and we see at the moment uh, India, generally speaking, basically buying left, right and center coal uh, from everywhere in the world. Because they have uh, they have uh, huge uh, demand and they uh, they are uh, they are very very low on uh, on uh, on their inventories. So they buy from uh, Russia, they buy from uh, from Indonesia, and they buy from uh, from Australia. So the whole and then maybe I should just add one more thing, which is that China has actually had a ban in place for Australian coal. So uh, that means that uh, that coal is also allocated inefficiently. So coal is 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 is, is is very much up in the air, and that is, um, of course, adding ton mile means that uh, that the vessels have to sail longer distances to deliver the same amount of cargo, and that is uh, categorically a good thing for the for the ship owners. And this doesn't look likely to, can you say, ease up anytime soon. So you can say you asked about Europe; mm-hmm. it was really yeah. connected as shipping all, all often is uh, worldwide, but it's ha- it, it's having some consequences, uh, 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 and for grains, it's. Little bit the same, uh, but not uh, so. Uh, can you say uh, impactful for yeah. Golden Ocean because it's mainly transported on the smaller sizes. But uh, we see some of the same uh, tendencies there again. Cargo is blocked in. It had to be. It has to be sourced from somewhere else. It means that it has to be transported longer. So, 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 so as sad as it is to say, actually, a war can be a good thing for the for the trading uh, of, uh, of, of 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 ships. But uh, but naturally, uh, uh, we hope this. Mm. Conflict gets resolved as as quickly as possible. I I I I, I hope I don't have to say that. No, definitely. So, given this market environment, how do you uh, to view spot versus longer contracts? What is the framework now? Where is Gold Notion positioned in terms of how much is fixed and how much is spot? Given that it seems like it should be a good environment for the foreseeable future. Yes, we uh, did last year. Um, well, I'll take one step back again. Sorry. Normally, uh, there's a seasonality in, uh, in in dry cargo, so it's kind of like a rule of thumb. It's weak in Q1, a little bit stronger in Q2, stronger in Q3, and red hot in Q4. Hopefully, uh, Q3 or Q4. And that pattern uh, was uh, was um, uh, that was how it was last year. Uh, in the beginning of the year, the rates were 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 low, but at the end of the year, they hit eighty five thousand dollar per day. Uh, which is very high when you have a cash break even of uh, of maybe twelve thousand. Um, so what we did last year when we came into the hot period in the in in, in the fourth quarter was that we uh, we started taking deals into this year, uh, but only covering Q1 and a little bit of Q2 to kind of bridge yep. uh, the weaker period. So we've had a, a, a quite a significant portion of our fleet locked up in uh, in, in high paying uh, freight uh, during Q1, and as I say to some extent in Q2. Uh, but all of these are now being, uh, yeah. Obviously, the Q1 is over now, so, yeah. so so these are now back in the spot market. Um, 
And we're quite happy with that because the market has actually developed like that uh, this year, very weak Q1, and now uh, rates uh, on the on the cape sizes are at uh, thirty three thousand dollar per day. So they have they have gone up tremendously in the in the in the past week. Um, so now to get to your, it was a bit of a long explanation perhaps, but to get to your question, mm-hmm. uh, now we are positioned so that we have quite an open book towards what we have expected to be a strong second half. Uh, that doesn't mean we have any ambitions of being pure spot play. We think uh, we should uh, be, you know, managing the risk also on behalf of our shareholders to, we say, safeguard uh, income and and safeguard dividend capacity. So we will take uh, ships on fixed contracts uh, and also covering into next year to to cover for that seasonally weak uh, period again. But we do believe in the market uh, and we do see the highest earnings uh, there when the market spike. So we want to be present in the spot market. Um, and I think that's also our, can you say, contract with the shareholders, if you want yep. to call it that. If you buy Golden Ocean, you buy exposure to the large segments in dry bulk. Uh, so if you believe in the dry bulk market, uh, you will, uh, you will, we will be a great proxy for uh, what can you say what happens in dry bulk. And right now, as you may have noticed, we have overperformed the Nasdaq tremendously. Uh, and the reason for that is obviously that the outlooks are good and that we are making money. But also because we are seen as a kind of a, can you say, inflation hedge. Yeah. Um, whereas uh, inflation is uh, definitely not a good thing and it uh, can lead to a recession and, and demand destruction. Then for shipping, it's a little, well, at least in this time around, it's a little bit different because we have very low influx of vessels, as we discussed. We don't need a lot of growth. But in fact, we have a lot of steel and steel goes up in price. Uh, and there's still a big, uh, can you say, uh, demand for, for commodities, which is actually creating, ironically, as it may sound, a safe haven uh, on, on the shipping yeah. versus the value stocks, as we have seen plummet over over the past uh, yeah six months, I, sh- I should say, certainly this year. Uh, so that's a, that's a quite interesting uh, dynamics uh, that, um, that uh, hand on heart I had not uh, pictured 12 months ago, but uh, this is where we are now. Just the, the last country you didn't mention, but maybe has a story giving the dry bulk space is Brazil. Is there anything to comment there? Yeah, Brazil is probably the second most important mm. uh, country, I will say. Not because it imports uh, commodities, but because it exports com- commodities. It exports iron ore. Um, and uh, the reason why uh, 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 Vale, which is the Brazilian mining company, is so important is because those v- volumes that come out of uh, Brazil... Uh, are mainly going to China. And because there's a long way from uh, from Brazil to China, it is very important that we see a lot of uh, of iron ore coming out of uh, uh, out of Brazil um, because the other big hub is Australia and there's a shorter way from Australia to uh, to um, uh, to China, of course. Uh, and this is why actually the seasonality kicks in uh, and why we often see Q1 being weak, it is because it's rain season in Q1 and you have open mines where you dig out the iron ore and you can't work uh, as efficiently during uh, rain season. So there's less export from the, from the Brazilian uh, miners uh, in, uh, in, uh, in, in base, certainly the, particularly the first uh, quarter, uh, but also somewhat into the second quarter. But the reason the market is moving now is because we're actually seeing Vale coming into the into the into the market again with lots of cargos and obviously that is a positive thing uh, because yeah you need to transport that along uh, a long distance so you can say if you want to boil dry cargo down to the most simple uh, can you say uh, drivers you want to look at uh, you want to look at China 
uh, and you want to look at uh, at uh, Brazil and their export, and then you want to look at how many vessels are actually coming into the market. And all of these are looking uh, relatively favorable. Admittedly, China has stepped down. Uh, what can you say? It's a economic activity, uh, but not enough to worry us. Uh, given, uh, can you say the other the other factors? So, um, so uh, Europe is. Strictly yeah. speaking, uh, for uh, what can you say, us, because we transport uh, longer distances, uh, not that important, uh, 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 can you say, normally. Although, of course, as we talked about, yeah. it is playing a role now with the, with the coal. Um, but the, these three would be my, uh, my, main, um, my main factors to point on. And why I don't point to Australians, because they always deliver. They are usually very, uh, they have a very uh, good guidance and they always... Uh, uh, perform uh, to the to, to that capacity, but we keep monitoring them as well, uh, and uh, uh, there are other factors as well. But the three main yeah. ones would, would I would point to, uh, to to what I just said. But do you have a market scenario that you feel can keep you up at night? Do you see any black swans or any like China could, of course, like given the COVID situation, do you see any scenarios that can bleak the outlook dramatically? I mean, there are, yeah. If I could see black swans, that would be great. Uh, but um, I guess inherently, I, I wouldn't be able to see those. But of course, shipping is, uh, can you say, uh, uh, subject to these hundred-year events or black swans. Call them what you like. Uh, and uh, obviously, if we see uh, a catastrophic uh, incident like we saw uh, with uh, a dam that the dam that collapsed in uh, in Brazil uh, some years ago. Uh, and suddenly overnight you wipe out the Brazilian, a lot of the Brazilian export, uh, then yeah. you change the, 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 the game uh, like this. Uh, obviously, if uh, China uh, completely collapses, as we said, uh, is behind a lot of the uh, almost 50% of dry cargo import, uh, obviously that is a bad thing. But I think, so, so that, would, uh, that would be what would keep me up at, the, up at night. And these events we can't predict. Uh, obviously we can't. Um, uh, and uh, and things happen. Uh, there's a war in Ukraine. Okay, it turned out to be a you know sometimes yeah. things can also be a, a, a positive for shipping. Um, so 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 yeah. But 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 things can definitely happen, and uh, that is also why we must take a certain can you say amount of vessels out on uh, fixed contracts. Why we must keep a lot of cash on the balance sheet because suddenly uh, the situation uh, can change. Um, but yeah, I'm always worried about uh, stuff like this happening. But uh, knock on wood, uh, we won't be seeing any uh, any uh, any of that. But uh, there's there's risk uh, out there, absolutely. But that's the perfect uh, ending, Enrique. It was fantastic to have you on once again, and thank you so much for taking the time. It was a pleasure to be here. I hope uh, I could uh, help shed some light on uh, on what's going on in dry, dry cargo at the moment. If you like this episode and the content we create please make sure to check out our newsletter called The Bin Letter. More information is in the show notes. If you want to watch this episode as well, please head over to our YouTube channel and make sure to subscribe to the channel. This episode was produced by William Fransen.